Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. percentage and that one is hit out to right it's at the wall gone it's a home run Dylan Carlson he's still a rookie and already making his impact felt again Arenado breaks his bat and a base hit into center Goldsmith being waved in he will score Nolan Arenado his first run batted in as a cardinal and he's two for two on opening day out to deep left and goodbye Tyler O'Neill two-run homer he hung it and all of a sudden Tyler O'Neill jumped on it two-run shot and the Cardinals have an 11-3 lead what a way to start the season the Cardinals win the opener yesterday in Cincinnati welcome to the Danny Mac show on 101 ESPN with BK and Tanner I'm Danny Mac Dan McLaughlin with you uh, you can text in if you want, 65780. We love getting the feedback from the listeners. You guys are great. And also, we will visit with Chris Welsh, who does radio and TV for the Cincinnati Reds, former Major League pitcher and an analyst for the Reds. But first off, uh, BK, good morning to you. Good morning, Dan. A winner for the Cardinals yeah. on opening day. I was listening to a former general manager who was on with uh, CBS yesterday. He was talking, hey, Opening day, not a big deal. You cannot win the World Series on, on opening day. However, if you are in charge of a team that wins on opening day, you feel like you're going 162-0 oh, yeah. after that. So it is a big deal to get a win, even though it all counts the same over the course of a season. Well, we have 161 more. That's right. So we, we got some time. Let me, let me check. Okay, carry the one. Yeah, that is correct. That's indeed. right. So you, you get the first one out of the way. It is. It, it's nice to win that first game. There were a lot of positives to take from that game, including the bullpen, which was really good. Jack Flaherty was so-so. And the offense, you know, you're wondering about the offense and when you put up a six spot in the first inning, that sets the tone. And it was boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden you looked up, it was 6 nothing. Dylan Carlson, I love seeing him jump on the first pitch. You know, let, let a lot of pitches go last year. And seeing him aggressive early in a count, I love seeing that. That's one of the keys to I think his season. Uh, you know, just basically being aggressive i want to see him be aggressive and then the bullpen you know that's that's where the cardinals are going to make hay this year i think is with their bullpen and that's what they got so good start for uh, st louis i thought the biggest thing dan was you saw what the cardinals wanted to see if you want to look at the goldschmidt and arenado combination at two three early on boom right off of the bat first inning it punched you in the face and you could see what they wanted to see from that if you wanted to see the young outfield that they're betting on this year, well, you got some nice positive returns with Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson putting them on the board in that one. And Justin Williams with a good catch in right field. That was a very good play, and that was a big play in that game. Could have turned around that inning. And you can make a strong case that that game, the difference between the two teams, was defense. Like, as much as we're talking today about the offensive side of things, and we should, because that was a big storyline from that game, 
the defense was the difference between the two teams. Jack Flaherty didn't have a great game. And I know that a lot of people are going to talk about the four and two thirds scoreless from the bullpen. They were not perfect. They walked too many batters. Their command was not on. They allowed too many runners in general, but they got the job done. And that's all that matters in the end. And a lot of that is in uh, due in large part to the defense that the Reds, whoo boy, did not have yesterday. Suarez, first two innings at shortstop, two errors, led to a big inning. Five um, runs in total that it led directly to. And the base running. I mean, Stevenson getting doubled up with Helsley on the mound, and Castellanos hits a, a line drive to left, and, you know, you're thinking maybe that ball gets down, but at second base, where's he going? And that ran them right out of an inning. I don't know if he... I want to read the papers in Cincinnati. I don't know if anybody talked to Stevenson about it. That's one of the problems of not being able to go down there. But uh, did he think there were two outs? Because if if he doesn't get doubled up, then you have another guy have a crack at it. You score that run, and maybe it's a different inning. And all of a sudden, they ran into a double play. That's the difference in the game. And you could see the momentum starting to shift in that inning, too. One team played a clean game. The other team did not. The Reds in that game yesterday had 15 base runners. The Cardinals had 13. The Reds, in terms of their offensive production, were better in terms of getting guys on base. The difference in that one was very clearly the defense, and that's what the Cardinals have to have all year long. Defense and base running. They've got to be clean on those two things because their offense is going to have some outbursts. When you've got Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and you get a big game out of the outfielders the way they did yesterday, you're going to see some crooked numbers put on the board. But more often than not, it's going to be pitching and defense and base running that has to win this team some ball games, And we saw that on full display yesterday. Yeah, got to play clean. Goldie yesterday, he's my MVP for the Cardinals this season. And a big part of it is Arenado hitting behind oh him. Four for five, three runs, two doubles, had an RBI. First Cardinal to have four hits since Albert Pujols in an opener in 2010. Saw 17 pitches, <laughs> 12 of which were in the strike zone. So... If he's going to have a chance to hit with balls inside the strike zone, watch out because this guy's going to put up big numbers. And he talked about how effective the lineup was yesterday. I've got asked a lot about the lineup. And I think the biggest difference hitting second than maybe hitting third or fourth is you kind of are getting on base and able to be driven in a little bit more where when you're hitting third or fourth, you're the guy driving in the runs. It's not going to say it's not going to happen. You know, I had guys on, you know, a few times today, but I think just the way the lineup kind of lays out, the more you're hitting towards the top of the order, Tommy and, and me, if I had second, you have an opportunity to score a little bit more runs and, and maybe drive in a few less just by virtue of, of how it sets up. Yeah, interesting how he talks about that. And again, we've talked about it, where if you have two and three, Goldie, Arenado, the opposition has got to get through a gauntlet in that first inning. I, mean, I don't think you're going to see a lot of one, two, three innings in the first against the Cardinals. And when you pitch with the lead or you put pressure on the opposition, it's just a different game. And so having those guys 2-3 could be a big difference. It is. And you saw it yesterday, Paul Goldschmidt, four hits yesterday. He had zero four-hit days the entire 2020 season. And I know that's an arbitrary number. He got a lot of at-bats. The rest of the lineup produced. That's part of why he was able to do that. But he was great. He looked fantastic at the plate. He looked comfortable. I mean, that first ball that he hit was like inches away from being a home run so they put up 11 he could have been even bigger than that it was it was a great day for paul goldschmidt a good a really good day as well for nolan arenado john Mosellock on the cardinals lineup this year you know as you look at how this lineup was constructed i think it shows you the depth of it and you know more importantly i, I hope it shows you the impact those outfielders are going to make on this lineup so um you know that's something we'll all see over time but that's what we're hoping for Tyler O'Neill, two-run homer midway through. Boom. 
and you can just see how quick his hands are. Cool. He has shortened up his swing. He looks like a different player. Now, he needs to stay that way. And, yes, you're going to have your fair share of strikeouts with him. However, he lengthens the lineup. And if you can get something out of him or DeYoung, watch out. This team's going to be good. really good. Really good. We talked. I mean, I don't know how many segments we did, Dan, over the last three, four months of X factors, pivotal players, however you want to talk about it, right? At the end of the day, all roads lead back to the outfield. And whether it be Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, Justin Williams, Austin Dean, John Nagaski, whoever you're throwing out there, those are the guys that when they look the way they did yesterday, it completely changes the way that we feel about this lineup. We know what Nolan Arenado is. We know what Paul Goldschmidt is. I have a pretty good idea of what I think Tommy Edmonds going to be. It's the outfield. That's what's going to change the way we look at the offense this year. 314 said watching Arenado go first to third in the first inning on a ball that didn't get past the outfield was awesome to see, too. And I agree. Those are the little things that you're talking about. You play clean baseball. That's part of defense and base running. That's when you win games. It's not just base stealing. I think sometimes we get caught up in the stolen base number as that's what the base running metric should be. It's not. It's not just that. It's going first to third. It's going from second to home on a single. Like Those are the things that if you're a really good base running team, and Goldie's a really good base runner as well, those are the things you do correctly. That's PK. I'm Danny Mack. Coming up, we'll visit with Chris Welsh. He is a analyst on TV and radio for the Cincinnati Reds. And that's next on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mack Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. One of the great analysts in baseball is Chris Welsh. He's been doing it a long time for the Cincinnati Reds, former Major League pitcher. And by the way, if you have any questions about rules in the game, he's got a a fascinating website, uh, Baseball Rules Academy. Make sure you subscribe, Baseball Rules Academy. Uh, I have a subscription, and anytime there's a questionable play uh, in baseball, I go to that uh, when I'm doing the games for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Chris, uh, great to visit with you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, uh, Dan. It was a cold day at the ballpark yesterday, I, unless I guess you're on the hot seat like Luis Castillo, giving up six <laughs> runs in the first. But uh, I'm glad that baseball's underway. You and I have talked many times over the winter, uh, hoping that this season will go on uninterrupted, and uh, so far, so good. What did you think of the game yesterday? And, and from your perspective, uh, it was kind of ugly, I guess, from the Reds. It was a little sloppy. I, I thought it was, it was probably hard on uh, everybody, uh, hard on pitchers to get a good grip. Uh, you really have to commend uh, Jack Flaherty for beginning to kind of get locked in. Uh, once he started getting his breaking ball going, it worked very well for him. But uh, I thought it was interesting. There's a couple of takeaways. One is that I'm wondering if the new enforcement of this rule where pitchers are not allowed to go to the sticky stuff on their fingers is going to make a big deal this year. Uh, and there's certainly more offense in the game last night that I thought that there would be. Uh, both of these teams can hit a little bit. Uh, it ought to be a fun season. Chris, we knew that defensively things could be a little bit of an adventure for the Reds early on this season, but did you expect it to look like that this early in the year? Well, I, I, you know, one thing about 162 is you don't get too wrapped up in one ball game. Uh, I think the one positive takeaway that you can make for the Reds is that they're going to score some runs this year. They've got a good offensive uh, lineup. Uh, they're very high on this young player, uh, uh, Jonathan India, who's the first young infielder that the Reds have brought in through their system in years. I mean, going back to maybe Todd Frazier or Zach Cozart. So 
Uh, it's nice to have some new blood on the ball club. Uh, they're going to score some runs. Right now they're trying to tread water, get through the first couple weeks until they get two of their pitchers who are on the disabled list, actually three, but two big ones, Michael Lorenzen and uh, Sonny Gray, back and active again. In terms of what you saw, I have not been able to read the papers in Cincinnati, so I don't know the answer to this. But what was? Do you think Stevenson thought there might have been two outs on that, or did he think that ball was going to get down that turned into a double play? What What did you think? You know, I, I didn't read his comments, but I think that he just misread the ball off the bat. I, I just can't fathom the fact that he didn't know how many outs there were. I mean, there's scoreboards all over these big league ballparks, and you know, you just can't use that excuse anytime you're older than ten years old. So. Uh, I've got to figure that he just didn't know where the outfielder was playing. Uh, but he's a smart kid, and he's a really good kid, and he's the kind of kid I think that can learn from this, and hopefully it'll never happen again. I think you hit the nail on the head with the Reds. Um, this I, I couldn't understand it last year watching the Reds play that they didn't hit. They're going to hit. Uh, it's just I think it might have been an anomaly in a 60-game season. You just didn't see him hit. There's too many good players, too many good hitters in that lineup not to hit. You know what I think last year happened? Uh, you know, the, the analytics came in, and everybody wants to completely embrace everything. And part of that last year from a hitting standpoint, Dan, was, you know, trying to get the launch angle, trying to hit the ball over the shift and so on. And the problem is, is that when you do that, the only way you get the ball in the air, let's ba- break it down. You hit it out in front of home plate as your swing is beginning to be upward. So, if you have to catch a ball out in front of the plate, that means you've got to be a little quicker on everything. So if you're going to catch up with a 95 heater, you've got to be really quick, and that's when you start getting fooled by all the breaking pitches. And I think that's the trap that a lot of major league hitters fell into, and I think the Reds especially did last year. And it looks to me like the Cardinals are hitting line drives, and the Reds are trying to hit line drives because we saw a lot of opposite field hitting. I think we're beginning to go back to good old-fashioned, let's make contact, put the ball in play, and see what happens. Did you feel like you saw that adjustment yesterday? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I see it from Goldsmith uh, immediately. He had a couple of big hits going the other way. Uh, I love the way Aaron Otto goes about his business. I mean, when he goes down after a low pitch, you can see his head stay right down there. He's almost trying to get his eyes as close to the point of contact. I love his approach, and uh, I think the Reds are trying to do the same thing. And uh, I think that if that begins to work, People are going to, you know, scratch your head and say, hey, uh, when were line drives not a good idea in the major leagues? Well, if the answer to that is 2020, and you saw what happened to all the production around baseball. Chris Welsh is our guest. He is the analyst for the Cincinnati Reds. I'm always fascinated with Joey Votto. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's probably going to the Hall of Fame. That's debatable for some, but I do think he's been that good. What's it like watching him? Every day, Chris, you see him every day. You've seen him every day of his career. He changes his stance a little bit this year, but just watching him as a hitter, it's fun to watch guys do their craft, especially the really good ones. What's it been like for you? Well, you know, he's a guy that has kind of morphed along the way. I mean, now that he's 37 years old, he realizes what he can and cannot do. I think he's ahead of the game as far as what he does. Uh, He's always been an excellent eye at the plate, good idea of the strike zone, catches a lot of walks. And actually, a lot of Reds fans don't like that because sometimes he's got a runner at second base and he takes a walk and leaves it up to the guy behind him to drive the run in. Uh, This year, you see a noticeable difference in Votto. He's standing straight up in the batter's box. Uh, He looks a little bit more, you know, like a guy who wants to drop the bat head and and, uh, hit hit it a long way. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Looks a little bit more to me like a left-handed Paul Goldschmidt. 
so he wants to be dangerous again. He has been in a crouch the last couple of years. He's trying to slap the ball everywhere, and he realizes that's just simply not going to work for him. And uh, so this is the new Joey Votto this year. Uh, you know, this is probably batting stance number 330. And, uh, <laughs> hey, forget the guy's had a tremendous career, and I admire how he's always trying to get a little bit better. Chris, I know in St. Louis, we've got our guys that we've been talking about all offseason that we're excited to see. You know, is this a make or break year for them? Could they be the X factor for the Cardinals? Who are those guys on the Reds for you going into this year that you just you wanted to get to the first game to be able to see, okay, what does it actually look like this year for this player? Who's that guy for you? Well, you know, for me, it was a guy that got injured yesterday, unfortunately, Nick Senzel. I really think that the Reds' fortunes are going to ride on, you know, their ability to play center field and then get guys on base. Now, the other center fielders on the disabled, the Shogo Akiyama, had a good year last year coming over from Japan. It was kind of one of these learning years in the middle of a pandemic of what American life is like and what big league baseball speed is. Uh, he's on the DL with a with a leg injury. Uh, now Senzel has been injured on his shoulder, but I think Senzel is, is a main guy there. And I think the other one is interesting. He pitched yesterday in Sean Doolittle. Uh, they picked him up, um, you know, for not very much money. A left-hander with some veteran in him. He's also lost a couple of ticks on this fastball. But the Reds need leadership in the bullpen. They lost Rysel Iglesias, one of the best arms around. And they have to figure out a way to replace that. They think they have a good back of the bullpen, but you still need some veterans back there. And I think that's where Doolittle comes in. And, of course, offensively, Senzel is a key to this ball club. And so Malley goes tomorrow. Uh, how is he pitched in spring training? He's pitched, uh, he's, you know, he shows flashes. And this is kind of what his MO has been uh, really all his career, where one day he goes out there and he looks like a world beater, and the next day he goes out and he gives up six runs. I think what, what Malley has been able to do the last year or two, though, Dan, is, is tighten up his breaking ball a little bit. And I think that's a big key for him. Uh, he's got very good fastball. He's got one of those four-seam runners that he can get it up in the zone. But, again, for a young player, a lot of it is confidence. You know, you have to fill up the strike zone because if you don't, if you're afraid of the short fences here at Great America Ballpark, uh, there's going to be runners on base when you give up those bombs. So no doubt. You go right after him, and hopefully uh, Derek Johnson, who we think is one of the best pitching coaches around, uh, has gotten through to him, and uh, we'll, we'll see some positive results. In terms of the back end of games, if you had a save situation, who do you turn that over to now that Iglesias is, is with the Angels? It's a committee right now. Yeah. Uh, the right-hander is Lucas Sims. The left-handers are Amir Garrett, who, by the way, I think struck out the first nine batters he faced in spring training. And uh, and then Sean Doolittle. Uh, now, when uh, T.J. Antone comes back off the disabled list and or Michael Lorenzen, and one of those guys goes to the bullpen, they'll be getting some high leverage spots, too. Chris, I wanted to ask your perspective because we've broken down the Goldschmidt Arenado 2-3 in the lineup every which way here in St. Louis. But from your perspective with Cincinnati, uh, what was it like to see those guys hitting back-to-back in the Cardinals order yesterday? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think if there's one drawback about the Cardinals, and this isn't criticism, it's just an observation, that they're awfully right-handed. And uh, if I have a bullpen that has a bunch of right-handed arms, uh, good ones, uh, I like to see those guys back-to-back. Uh, I really do. And, and uh, now it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that they can't hit right-handed pitching because obviously they play every day and they can. But, uh, I mean, they're fearsome. There's no question. Uh, but I think the key to it is Goldschmidt. I mean, he, if he 
uh, has an Arenado behind him, and he starts getting some fastballs that he can handle instead of those little teaser sliders down and away, he's going to do some damage. You know, we all know there are crazy rules in baseball, and you've kind of made this your uh, your calling, which is BaseballRulesAcademy.com. How did this all come about? Why do you, why do you get into rules so much? Well, you know, I played a brief career in the major leagues, 10 years overall pro ball. I thought I knew the rules until I got in the booth like you, and then a crazy play happens on the field, and I don't know the answer. So right. my viewers are scratching their heads saying, well, hey, you know, don't you know the rules? Bottom line is, no, it's a very convoluted, complicated rule book. So I set out to make a database for me, my own use, putting some common phrases in there, and it would call up the rule, like ball hits batter while he's running down the line. And uh, then I realized how complicated the book got, and it's become a, an eight- or nine-year journey for me. Uh, uh, we've got several thousand subscribers at this point. It's growing all the time. I've got rules from every different level, Little League, high school, college, and, and, and professional baseball. And, uh, and it's a go-to, good go-to source. And it's free for anybody who wants to get online. They can get online and sign up free. Uh, if you want a premium package, there's one of those in there as well. But uh, uh, I have a good time doing it. There was a rules play that happened yesterday in the major leagues. I don't know if you saw it. Justin Turner ran past yeah. Cody Bellinger on a Bellinger home run. Turner thought it was caught. He races around the bases, then comes back so he doesn't get doubled off. And in the process, he runs past Bellinger, the hitter. So Bellinger gets a credit instead of for a home run and two runs batted in, he gets credit for a single and an RBI, and he's called out. Turner comes around to score by rule. Uh, so, hey, we didn't have to wait very long before a crazy rule happened. What do you think the, the most commonly missed rule or misinterpretation of the rules in baseball is? I think it's the play running down the first baseline. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that little, you know, that little runner's lane that you see just to the – the foul territory, 45 feet up the line. Uh, a lot of players don't realize where you can run in that and what you're going to do and wh- why it's, you know, who, who, you know in, in the OBR, it's, if you interfere with the fielder taking the throw, that constitutes the interference. has nothing to do with interfering with the catcher or the fir- third baseman or pitcher making the throw. So uh, a lot of times, you know, you, you'll see a runner running down in the fair territory in the grass catcher picks the ball up and he realizes he doesn't have a throwing lane so he doesn't throw turns to the umpire and says hey he's in the wrong spot well he doesn't know it but you have to actually make the throw in order to have that rule enforced so i think that's probably the most common thing we see amateur baseball and professional baseball and as i wrap it up here in baseballrulesacademy.com describe and it is really really helpful for any baseball fans out there I'm with you chris i i think yesterday was a perfect example if you don't have a foreign substance on your fingertips, your glove, or whatever you do to help get a grip of the baseball. And even when we get into the summer months, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if these guys lose command or you start to see spin rates really drop because it does help. It's just common sense. It's going to help. Hey, you're right, Dan. It does. And if you have a quick second, I'll tell you how MLB plans to enforce this. I talked to some people at the uh, major league office about this. And what they told me was, is that it's not going to be up to the umpires to check a ball, run out to the mound, look at the guy's glove or inside of his pockets, and then toss him out of the game. What they're going to do is collect baseballs from certain pitchers and put them in a, a little barrel. Right. And, uh, if say for instance, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> let's say, say Wayno has got a little sick him and, and he, and he puts it on the ball and now they got a bucket of balls from Wayno and the league is going to, uh, 
you know, basically send them to a crime scene investigator. Right. They're going to look at the balls and they're going to determine what's going on. And then they're going to go back to him and say, hey, we know here's here's our evidence. We know what you're doing. We want you to stop. And if he doesn't stop, then he when he gets penalized. But you're not going to see a delay a game. You're not going to see any drama out there with the pitcher getting tossed out of the game unless it's really blatant. Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. Chris, this is awesome. Thanks for doing this. Uh, good luck on the season. And I'm sure you and I will probably visit later today because we always do. Huh. Dan, you're, you're all my main uh, guys, man. I, I love listening to you. I do it all the time when the Reds aren't playing. And uh, St. Louis fans are lucky to have you. Yeah, I feel the same way about you. You're the best. So thanks for doing this, Chris. Okay, buddy, take care. You got it. That's Chris Welsh, the uh, analyst on Reds Baseball TV. Check and in the mail, or do you Red, just hand that to a, it's a in mutual person. admiration what's the, society? What's the best way to go about that payment system? Hey, mutual <laughs> admiration society. He's the best. I use his site all the time. It grew so big, BK, that he actually started getting umpires to do videos. And it is it, like what he said with the play that he just mentioned, like mm-hmm. a ball that's hit up the line. Everybody's like, well, he's out of the baseline. No. You got to throw the ball. And if you all of a sudden are in that lane, whether you're in or out, depending on where the catcher is lined up, that is what dictates the play. And you talk about like phantom tags and, if, if you know, going from first to second, second to third, that kind of thing. Most of the time it's first to second. You know, the, the amount of space that you have to place the ball on the runner or if he's out of the baseline. There's a lot of things that are just crazy in the game and they happen all the time. And to his point, you're right. You're the one that's behind the mic trying to explain this stuff. So I, I use his site all the time. It's great. Yeah, I, I love the fact that we had him on right after something weird happened yeah. on opening day with the Dodgers. By the way, it, we always talk about how you can't predict baseball, right? And I I enjoy betting on sports. I am not a guy that bets very often on baseball because of how difficult it is. The Dodgers losing on opening day to the Rockies is just an all-time great, you-can't-predict-baseball right. moment. Because and, that was a team that a lot of people wrote think pieces about going into the year. The Dodgers literally might have the best record ever. And then on opening day, they fall against the Rockies. And the thing that I took away from that game, and I saw, I actually went back and watched some of the game, the Dodgers did everything they could to win that game and still lost. Yeah. And yet, but they... They and, and they did everything that you should do to lose the game and still lost the game, meaning that that's not what you're going to see over 162. No. The Dodgers are very, very good. But uh, it showed you how good they were when they're making these silly mistakes and, and doing the things that you would say, well, if you're a lesser team, there's no chance, right? You get blown out. Well, they did some of the things that you look at and you go, they're still in this game. And they still had a chance to win it at the end. But it was great to have the bigger picture of this. Great to have baseball back. I, I just, I loved it. I love opening day because the Pirates are right now 1-0. They beat the Cubs <laughs> yesterday. You've got the Rockies sitting at 1-0 after a win against the Dodgers on opening day. My the guy, Angels, Key Brian Hayes, hit a home run yesterday. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Uh, the Angels beat the White Sox, who a lot of people were picking as a sleeper World Series contender. I mean, it's just, welcome to opening day, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it was odd. In the Angels game, I don't know if you saw this, but... Just seeing Tony La Russa in a White Sox uniform, you know, it catches your attention. And then Albert and those two hugging, you know, right before the first pitch. So that was strange. Even stranger was the pregame ceremonies that they did with Eloy Jimenez's jerseys. Did you see that? I did not. Okay, so they were, they had Eloy Jimenez. His jersey was kind of in like a shrine in his locker before mm-hmm. the game. And then they brought it out onto the field with them for the opening ceremonies. It, so... I felt like it was a little poor taste given where they're doing this because that was in L.A. 
with the Angels and everything that's happened there with Scruggs. I, it was weird. It it gave me kind of the heebie-jeebies watching it. It was a strange scene. If you if you can check it out, it's all over Twitter. They've they've got the videos and the pictures and whatnot of what the White Sox did with Eloy Jimenez's jersey. It was uh, a weird scene. So I guess they're just saying, hey, you're not with us. You're hurt, but you're still part of the team. Yeah, kind that's of thing. what they're trying to get. Right. And uh, do your own thing. But it was just a weird way to go about it. Yeah, kind of cheesy. Did not see that. I did see the hug with Tony and Albert wearing non-cardinal uniforms, and it's just. Different, you know, just odd. A decade later. Yeah. Those two guys are in different uniforms. Just odd. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. I mean this with all due respect. Okay. You're Please. good? Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you say that, you're good. Whatever comes next, you're, okay. I, from what I understand, Randy has told me for years now on the, these airwaves, you're good. You could say all due respect, and now you're clear. All Wait, right. that's how it works? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do that more often then. <laughs> so I got to save the date from my man, BK, for his upcoming nuptials. Yep. Yep, and, there's a uh, wedding taking place this year. Beautiful picture on the save the date. So thank you. Of Honored course. to get this. You, uh, sir, outkicked your coverage. I mean, there is no doubt about that. So, with all due respect. That has never been in question. Everybody that's listening probably already assumed as much. Like, I'm a, a solid three. Care is a hard ten. So we, I did very well for myself. And you guys <laughs> will make a beautiful couple. So that's awesome. So thank Thanks, you very man. much. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It. Of course. Um, Tanner says lifetime. We dogs, Dan. We dogs. We, we dogs. <laughs> D-A-W-G-S. Um, so Tanner, we got a lifetime contract for Bill Self. That's correct. Announced this morning. So we have the retirement with North Carolina and we got Bill Self lifetime deal. Calipari is, I mean, where's he going to go unless he's going pro? Yeah, he's staying there. So this is the funny thing about the Bill Self contract. Like, yes, it is a lifetime deal and the way they're structuring it. It's a five year contract that they gave him. And then every year that he is there, it extends by a year. So that's how it effectively becomes a lifetime deal. That's how most of these contracts are anyways, because once a coach gets to the point where he has like three years left on his deal, they're like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta make sure we resign him because he might not be able to recruit for kids that are going to be here for four years. They're right. going to look at the contract. It's silly the way that we handle these college coaches, but whatever. And, and now, that's why they're all extended, though, because they say, well, I got to have stability so that this kid and their family yep. knows that I'm going to be there. Even though we know 90 percent of these kids don't stay four years anymore. Dan, have you seen the transfer portal right now? Over a thousand kids. It, they are. There are some coaches that are projecting fifteen hundred kids will be in the transfer portal by the end of this. Fifteen hundred. Um, I, I do have an interesting text, if I may, from the uh, 636. Dan, can you believe this is the same guy that it says hit in a closet? I'm assuming it's hid oh, in a closet from his <laughs> fiance when they were in college. Uh, is this true? So long story short, yes. That means we have uh, great listeners. They, they <laughs> listen to everything. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. So when we were in college, my freshman year, I told you we've been together. We were talking about long this. Time. Off air. We've been together since my uh, sophomore year in college. That is part of the story. We were also, we went on some dates my freshman year as well. I wasn't interested, funny enough, in doing anything further. Uh, there was a time when she may have been. I was like, you know, 
in my drunken stupor, uh, the best way to get away from this is, hey, you know, I should just go ahead and hide in that closet when she leaves so that way I can avoid it, right? I'm ghosting her. Unfortunately, she held, she used to hide her uh, purse in my closet. There was like this curtain Uh in front of it. So that way, whenever she came over to the fraternity house for parties, we could put the purse in there. I didn't think about that. And so she opens the curtain. I'm standing behind the curtain and we didn't talk for a year after that. Things went well, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to marry her. (laughs) Unbelievable. Also, 314, proud of BK finding a woman who can change his tire. Man, we've talked about this. I just call AAA. You don't change tires? No. I, I've got AAA for a reason. Why now, would I need to learn? can she change a tire? I'm sure she could. She's talented. She's skilled. She's... You can't change a tire? No, I don't need to. Why, why do I need to learn how to change a tire when I've got Six, AAA ready all to right, go? 65780, who can change a tire? Would you rely on yourself or do you call AAA? I'm curious what you do. I pay for the service annually. Okay, I, so I got you there. They can they can change my tire. What my if car you're in the middle down. of nowhere? Well, they they come. I it, understand. It might that. take four hours, but they're gonna get there eventually. What if you're Dan? on a back road and no cell service, and all of a sudden well, you're... Then I'm bleeped? Are you really? <laughs> yeah. PK. What do you mean? Or am I really? Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm just out here lying? <laughs> We gotta get you on this, man. No, it's all right. Get the jack out, raise it, take it off, put the spare yeah, I've on. Yeah, I've seen a, the, uh, the probably two years ago. Mike Ryder changed my tire for me. It was great. It was right on the back. It was uh, in the parking structure. He he got his jack out of his car, wheeled that bad boy up, and uh, he was ready to go. If you were forced with no cell service to change your tire, could you do it? Does somebody else provide no. all of the equipment for me? No, no I don't, have, don't the have the equipment a spare. in my car. You, you got a spare in your car, yeah. right? Okay. I've got the then spare, but the I don't equipment. have anything to get the car up, and then I don't have anything to take the, the bolts off. No, I'm I'm out. I'll walk. Where am I going? Let's find a way. PK. PK, yeah. do we yeah. have to... At, maybe Alex needs to come in next hour solo. And you and I will go change a tire. Dan, and I'll Dan's teach you. like talking to me like I'm his son. He's, <laughs> his, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in you, BK. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm not mad at all. I don't get mad. Yeah, somebody on the text line, work smart, not hard. Exactly. That's my approach to life. Work smart, not hard, Dan. And I work smart in that I... There are people, there are professionals with AAA that are paid to do these uh, types of things. I will allow them to continue to do so. Uh, also, have many texts coming in, bro. Come on, man. My seven-year-old can <laughs> son can change a tire. You're right. I'm not mad at you, BK, but I am disappointed. I totally get that, man. I am. If if something goes wrong with my car, I'm calling an auto service. If something goes wrong with my toilet, I'm calling a plunger. If something goes plumber. wrong with yeah, you plunger. may use the plunger. Plun- <laughs> Same difference. Right? Uh, if something goes wrong. Now I know why you can't change it. With my electrical circuit. I'm not going down to the breaker. Hell no. I'm calling an electrician. Tanner, can you change a tire? Uh, I've done it once. And then the other time I did it, it wasn't my tire. We were coming back from tennis practice in college. Uh-huh. Teammate's tire was flat. 
And four of us tried, couldn't get it. He had to take a ride from some other person because we were in the middle of nowhere. And uh, turned out that the bolts were on too tight for whatever we had. They had to get the uh, NASCAR thing going to get it off. Somebody from the 314. I don't have the patience for AAA. Dude, BK needs to turn in his man card if he can't change the tire. Wow, does he ask people to fill in his breaker fluid as well? There's breaker <laughs> fluid or blinker fluid? There's blinker fluid? No. Okay. Cool. No, I don't do that then. Okay, so we just came off a bad winter, okay? Or yeah. at least at the very end. Huh? Okay. It got really cold, remember? About a month ago. Yeah, my, my car starter went out. That was problematic. Okay. I didn't know that's what it was, but when AAA came to check my car, that's what they told me it was. What about windshield wiper fluid? Yeah, they do that whenever I get my oil changed. So you couldn't figure that Valvoline? out. Valvoline replaces <laughs> the uh, the windshield wiper <laughs> fluid for me. That reminds they me. They make sure to top windshield it off. wiper fluid. See, you can, from what I understand, you can go to the gas station and get it. Now, I would have no idea where to put it. Uh-huh. I'm sure it's somewhere around the hood area. Right. But I'm, I'm out. Okay. I'm good. I don't mess with anything in there, Dan, because I just assume that people that are professionals, they can make sure that my car stays running for as long as possible. When you were a child, hmm? um, and you seem to be raised by wonderful people, you're a great guy. Um, <laughs> Dude, a slight tone of sarcasm. No, there. I'm not. I'm not. It's not a slight tone of sarcasm. We were going to talk sports in this segment, but this has really intrigued me. So Dan's like, wow, I can't believe there's an individual that does these things. <laughs> so um, would you, where, did your dad like change tires or? Yeah. So the funny thing is my dad. So you were around it and saw it. Yeah. So my, my dad, literally what he does for a living is like, you know, those people that go in and they buy houses to flip them, right? He's the guy that flips the house. He will put in your flooring for you. He will uh, HVAC. He's the guy. So he's that a goes very in, handy guy. The handiest of guys. When he was growing up, he has told me stories about how he replaced engines in cars. Like he basically built cars by hand. I'm the opposite. They say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but I must have come from a different tree. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't get it, BK. It's you're, just you're, easier you're, this way. Well, I here's here's why I don't get it. Well, maybe it does explain it. Because if I walk back into the office, or um, I may go to a break, right? And you're over there, and I I've never seen a guy type as fast as you. So you're very capable on a computer maybe it's be well i maybe answer my own question here so you're va- you're you're like so fast on a computer i'm like wow and when you edit stuff boom 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 it goes in this file and you're doing i mean i'm not i'm i'm kind of slow on that sure. stuff i'm a true millennial that's what you're saying yes well, yes 100 percent. yeah you are a millennial but what maybe i'm thinking is while dad was flipping houses <laughs> you were behind a computer so you weren't seeing how said house is flipped yeah, I mean, I've, I've told this to the audience a million times. I have no discernible skills other than I seem to speak okay, and there would be other people that would disagree with that particular skill. I think you're great at it. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's all I've got. By the way, from the 573, can BK drive a car with a manual transmission? This is going to be shocking to everybody. Yes, my first car was actually a stick shift. Was it? And I prefer driving a stick shift. Unfortunately, I drive a Honda Accord, and it ain't easy to find a Honda Accord with a stick shift now. What was your first car? My first car was a Honda Civic. Okay. It was like that an was, that was a stick? five Honda Civic. Yeah. Okay. Do you pump your own gas? I, I do, because there's nobody else with me. Now, if there was like a Sinclair close, you know how they used to do Don't that for you? Don't say no. 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 BK, pump <laughs> your kidding. own gas. That, that one was a joke. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. Um... 
Well, Randy just texted me. Randy Carricker, he said, carjacks these days are terrible. See? See? And your car could fall and it breaks and I'm out. I'm out. I'll let somebody else do that for me. I don't need that. I've seen too many bad videos, Dan, in my lifetime where something goes wrong. You're underneath the car and final destination ruined me as a child. 636, I drive a Honda Accord stick shift if you want it. I just got a new car. I'm good. All right. I'm good. My grandpa gave me his old car. Now, you have, as I have this, save the date. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you guys took some great pictures. Okay. This segment has gone off the rails, by the way. We're not talking baseball here. Somebody so, said you should get me a tire jack for my wedding gift. Please don't do that. I, I'm not going to do that. I, it will not be used. And I understand some of the wedding gifts, like you're just understanding that that's not going to be something you ever use. That would be something that literally just gets left on the table and somebody else can have it. Um, so with these pictures, which are beautiful, adorable, um, could you put the picture in a frame? You could do that, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, could you hang the picture? So I would leave that to Kara because I would end up, it's going to okay. be crooked. Now, could I put it up? Of course, but no, it's it's easier for well, her you, to do it. Here's my advice. You, of course, let her decide where these pictures go. Sure. it's That's her deal. That's You don't want to fight, okay? You do, oh, yeah, oh, it looks great. It's easier. Awesome. Love it. You really don't have an interest in it. We picked out our uh, wedding cake yesterday, and that was basically my my way to go about it. Have you seen the Mike Leach advice Mike Leach, the football coach yeah, advice. He's got great advice on everything. I don't know that I've seen this one in particular. Oh, you haven't seen it about it. somebody said I and I'm paraphrasing here. They're they're doing like the media scrum and we you ought to play it, Tanner, if we can find it. But it's um, and maybe save it for your show. But Mike Leach, who is the former coach of Texas Tech and was out in uh, where was he up northwest? Washington yeah, State, yep. Washington State. Now down at Mississippi State. Um, I know, Tanner, we got to go to a break. So um, somebody asked in the media scrum, like, hey, I'm getting married. Do you have some advice for me? And it is epic. It is epic. It is one of the greatest things you're ever going to see. And it's all true. So what do you do with strawberry cake? Why well, I like strawberry cake. Why don't? Why did you say that you did that? Well, I thought you liked chocolate cake. Well, I did, you know, it's just awesome. So when you're getting married, you just go, yep. Kara? Kara, I think it's great. It's yep. awesome. You're going to hang that picture. Perfect. You want to put that one on the, on the sill? Oh, yes. What's the carpet look like? I think you're exactly right. It looks beautiful. So you're not arguing with her on any of that stuff, right? No, I've been pretty good about most of it. There are certain things where I'm like, I'm putting my foot down here. Oh, um, really? On Like what? I, this I interests have, me. I have veto power, but I rarely use it, right? Um, that's really, kind you of, don't you don't have veto power. I'm just going to tell you that I have veto power where it's like I'm you not think willing. you do. No, it's worked. It's no, worked. no, you think you do. Trust me. But go ahead. I uh, I've gotten to the place where there are certain things where it's like I'm not willing to go there. So with the, the save the dates, there was one out, uh, layout that she liked. She's a huge Disney fan, right? There was one that had like Minnie Mouse ears and Mickey Mouse ears. I'm sure Alex probably went through something similar. His wife is also a, a very big Disney sycophant. And so Kara wanted one or pretended to want one, honestly, where it had like the, the Disney features on it. I was like, I'm not I, I can't do that. That's that's a step too far. So then we ended up going with something else. OK. All right. I'm just telling you, you think you have veto power? No, you don't. You don't. Alex, you agree? He has no veto power. <laughs> Thank you, BK, Alex. You have zero veto power. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. I bet you there's other people out there that agree with me that there is 
There's veto power, but I don't then get to make the decision. I just get to say no to that, but there's probably something else that we could do that's a little closer to what I would want, even so, if it's not the specific thing that I would want. So if you give in a little bit, that means that she probably is going to double up or triple up on something else that oh, you might I'm be butting heads on. That. Yeah. And so basically your veto power is gone. Dan, talk to your boy. No veto power. <laughs> Bingo. None. Bingo. Okay. This has been a great show. It's been wonderful, Dan. You've had quite the morning. I've had a hell of a morning. It's been a lot of fun. It's always fun. Um, okay. When you got into radio, when you when you signed up to do this at 101, is yeah. this the kind of day from yes. 7 to 11 a.m. that you were anticipating? Absolutely. You got to have fun, man. Okay. Not everything is the nuts and bolts of sports. You can go off on some tangents, and we go off on a lot of tangents on the morning show. So wow. it's great. Our entire entire text line is coming in with just some form of zero <laughs> veto power. <laughs> just like <laughs> hundreds of texts that are just consistently no, uh-uh, nothing, nada, zero, zilch. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I was a little wrong on that one. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Um, but hey, thanks for the save the date. It's oh, awesome. Of course. I'm honored. Of course. Uh, you and Alex are coming up. What do you guys have? We are coming up today. We've got Gary Bennett, former Cardinals catcher, is going to join us at 1130. Uh, Sam LeCure, who is on the Reds pre and post game show. We're going to talk with him about what we saw yesterday at 115. Lots of Cardinals talk between now and two o'clock as well. No truer statement than this one. 618. You get veto power until two weeks before the wedding uh, wedding. And then just get the hell out of the way. That's fair. That's it's it's also true. Anyway, guys, have a great weekend. Have a great show. This is fun. Same Thank, to you, Dan. Enjoy yeah. like your last day off for I think the next three months. So yeah. enjoy it today. I will. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna go on a long walk, maybe a little run, a little workout, do something. But uh, yeah, we'll have fun and it'll be a great weekend. Weather's supposed to be awesome. So have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you on Monday. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you can get top brand laundry sets with the latest tech to tackle any mess you might face this holiday, like automatic fabric and load size detection for spills of any size, from cookies and milk on your favorite holiday sweater, to the toddler of the house discovering just how fun cranberry sauce can be. Make more magic this holiday season. Let your new appliances handle the mess. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select LG laundry sets at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details.